I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. A few years ago, when I was still living in San Francisco, something happened to me that made me question my safety as a woman. Only a few steps from the entrance of my home, I was harassed. I wasn't physically harmed, but it was deeply unsettling and disturbing. It made me feel powerless. I never reported it to the police. I thought, I wasn't physically touched, what can I say? Then, weeks later, when I was mindlessly scrolling through the gossip on Nextdoor, a popular website where neighbors share information, I saw a woman post about an incident that matched what happened to me to a T. Other women chimed in too. The physical description of the man was the same. The card description, same. The maneuvers that he made, same. It made me wonder then, and still now, what are women supposed to do in moments like that? Are we supposed to accept the disturbing behavior of repeat offenders, even if it doesn't amount to a criminal charge? Heather Knight, Chronicle columnist and former host of Fifth Emission, says no. Last year, she wrote a column about a man who stalked and harassed a teenager. A San Francisco Superior Court judge dismissed the case to the frustration of the teenager's family, even though the man exhibited a pattern of behavior that made women feel frightened. Then this year, the man reappeared in San Francisco. Heather Knight wrote about him last week, and since then, woman after woman has raised her hand to share personal stories of this alleged stalker. Heather Knight is here to explain why this particular saga is highlighting some of the criminal justice issues that frustrate many San Francisco residents, slow police responses, and the failure by courts to meaningfully intervene. Who is this alleged stalker that's been scaring women across the city? How is San Francisco responding to his pattern of behavior? And what are women doing to take the situation back into their own hands and fill the gaps left behind by the city? Heather Knight, so great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. So, Heather, the alleged stalker at the center of your recent columns is a man named Bill Jean Hobbs. How did you first learn about him? I wrote about him more than a year ago when a family named the Zaregas, who live in West Portal, had contacted me. They were outraged that a Superior Court judge named Russell Royka had just dismissed a case against Hobbs. Hobbs, several months beforehand, had followed their teenager, just 15 at the time, throughout West Portal, grabbed them, followed them in and out of stores, um, pulled them close to him, calling them my angel, my perfect mate. The teenager was really creeped out, obviously, and finally got some help at a bookstore, called 911. Their dad raced to the shop, found um, Hobbs still outside, kind of lingering, apparently waiting for the teenager, took his picture, um, and got into kind of a back and forth with with Hobbs, who was saying, I'm going to kill you, Um, I'm going to rip your head off. So the police arrived, arrested um, Hobbs, and he was jailed for a few months on charges of misdemeanor battery and child molestation. Um, He ended up serving the max that he could have, which was a few months under those charges, and so the judge dismissed the case entirely, which means it's like it never happened. That's what angered the family because um, this is no longer on Hobbs's record. He wasn't connected to mental health treatment. Um, There was nothing about putting him on the sex offender registry. Uh, The dismissal meant that a stay-away order against the teenager was dropped and doesn't exist anymore. So the family was very frustrated. And that's what I wrote about initially a year ago. 
This stalking incident happened in 2020, and in 2021, you wrote about the family's frustration on how that case was handled. And in the last week, you've written two more columns about Hobbs. Why? Several women in San Francisco started posting on Nextdoor and Facebook and other places online that they'd had these scary encounters with this very distinctive-looking man, 6'4", kind of shaved head, lots of tattoos, including the letters E-V-I-L on his fingers. Um, so they're starting to share these stories and somehow piece together that this is the same guy from last year's column. So then they contacted me. I started interviewing a lot of them. I've now interviewed uh, more than a dozen women, all with very similar stories. So we know that he's back in San Francisco and he has been following women on the street. He just approaches them. He sometimes grabs them and holds them very tightly. Um, He's kissed a couple of people forcibly, followed, chased, pursued, stared at, made really weird remarks. Probably the worst is a woman who was kind of dozing in the grass at Dolores Park, listening to music um, on a pretty day in July, and felt a stranger breathing on her face and jolted awake and... um, This guy who matches Hobbes' description was kind of laying mostly on top of her, his arm wrapped around her, and said, I think I just found my soulmate. Almost all of them told me they thought it was a one-off. It's just something that maybe sometimes happens in San Francisco, and they tried to forget it. But then when they realized that he was doing this so often to so many people all over the city, they started filing police reports. I know that at least six women have filed reports and yet nothing has happened, and he was spotted as recently as yesterday on the streets yelling at people. And how many women are we talking about? Obviously, your column has helped surface a lot of these stories and these anecdotes that you're sharing. What's the scope of Hobbes' behavior? It's very broad. At first, we thought it was just in the marina, but now we know we have instances in the panhandle of Golden Gate Park near Alamo Square, in the Mission, Soma. He's just all over the city, sometimes multiple incidences in a day. Um, Twelve women and then two families of teenagers have shared their stories with me, but that's just, um, according to a lot of women, the tip of the iceberg. One woman who shared her story with me said she knows seven more who've encountered him. Um, One woman described it as kind of like the evil version of six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like Everybody has their story of this guy. And the Zurega family have had to encounter him again. Is that right? That's what prompted your one of your recent columns. Right. So they thought as far as they knew, he was still in Ventura County. They weren't notified that he was released. Then um, the teenager was at baseball practice in the marina one day in March and saw somebody they were sure was Hobbs um, pretty close um, staring at them. So they called their mom and said, he's back. And the mom raced to get uh, her daughter and followed this guy in their car. And um, and they were convinced it was Hobbs. And uh, photos shared with me, I was convinced it was Hobbs as well. So pretty re-traumatizing. And a lot of these patterns of behavior that you're describing here, they're being shared on social media. And just to be fair, how can we verify the accuracy of all these accounts and that this is indeed Hobbs? I'm not a police inspector, so the Chronicle in each column has said we can't confirm that these stories are all of the same person. But the behavior described and the photos shared, many of these women are managing to kind of surreptitiously take photos of this guy. Um, 
it all does definitely seem to line up and be him. He's very, like I said before, distinctive. He's 6'4", covered in tattoos, um, very strange behavior. It, it all seems to match up. How has the city responded to police reports being filed, these complaints, all these issues that you're raising? How have they responded? Well, that's really hard to know because the police department is so hush-hush. Supervisor Catherine Stephanie, who represents the marina where many of these instances have happened, said that she's very confident that the Northern Station investigators are working this case and trying to build a big case so that it's not just like one incident here or one incident there. She said the real key is to build all these incidents into one big case, and she believes that is happening. She's talked to the captain at Northern Station a couple of times about it. But in terms of me getting any answers from the police department directly, that's been very challenging. Um, As of last Thursday, they said they had three reports um, related to this kind of behavior, but they wouldn't even confirm it was um, Bill Jean Hobbs. And then when I asked again on Monday, they would say even less. We do know he entered a house in the marina on August 11th. Um, A man had left briefly to walk his dog and left the door unlocked. And when he got home, um, Hobbs was inside and um, the man's girlfriend called 911 and police did arrive. Police did arrest him for trespassing and giving false information to police. But it turns out District Attorney Brooke Jenkins dropped the case and um, again, quote, in the interest of justice, and it's like it never happened. So you were actually able to get in contact with Hobbs and speak with him. Tell me how that happened, and what did he say to you? One of the women he approached recently, um, it's kind of a clever way to try to get him to leave her alone, said, if you give me your phone number, I'll call you later. And he did give the phone number, and she shared it on Nextdoor, and I saw that. And so um I first tried the public defender's office, but he's not a client of theirs because there are no open cases in San Francisco. Everything's been dismissed repeatedly. So that was a no-go in terms of getting his side of the story. So we figured, well, we'll just try this phone number that was posted, and a man answered, and I said who I was and who I worked for and um, said, is this Bill Jean Hobbs? And he said, yes. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Um, And we started talking. And I said, I'm writing a column, and this is what these women have told me, and we wanted to give you a chance to respond. And he did um, acknowledge that he does follow strange women on the street that he doesn't know. Um, And he said if he finds women attractive, he will follow them and try to talk to them. And he said, there's nothing wrong with that. How else would you meet people? And I said, well, some of them said that you've grabbed them, forcibly kissed them, chased them. That's different than just saying hi. And he said, I've never done anything physical. Um, He likened it to Love Actually or another romantic movie where he was like the hero trying to meet a woman of his dreams. And he didn't seem to think there was anything wrong with his behavior. And I tried to ask him factual questions like, have you been contacted by the police about any of this? Where do you live? Do you work? And he wouldn't answer any of those questions. And then he said, you're stalking me, and I don't give you permission to write this column. Obviously, that's not the way journalism works, and we wrote the column. More with columnist Heather Knight after a quick break. How did former District Attorney Chesa Boudin manage Hobbs's case? What does current DA Brooke Jenkins think about his recent offenses? We'll be right back. 
You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Heather Knight, Bill Jean Hobbs, the alleged stalker, has exhibited pretty troubling behavior. It may be hard to definitively say whether there are mental health or substance abuse issues here. But in the meantime, he continues to frighten women in San Francisco. Going back to the 2020 stalking incident with the teenager, the incident that kicked off your first column, how did the district attorney at that time, Chase Boudin, manage the case? He did file um, charges of uh, misdemeanor child molestation and battery. And at first, the family was happy with the way that the DA's office was handling the case. And they said they were responsive and things were going well. But then communication kind of broke down. And they were especially angry, the family, that they didn't know even that a court hearing was being held on the day that the judge dropped the case entirely. So they weren't there to speak out. And that is um, under state law a requirement that the DA's office let them know of court dates and other big matters in a case. Hobbs's behavior towards the teenager's father outside the bookstore was not addressed in any of these charges. And critics have said that um, a charge of threats could have been added, which would have made the jail term longer and potentially um, been a better resolution for this case. So then, Heather, what was the misstep here? For the Zarega case, I think that the DA's office could have charged more and um, definitely needed to keep the family in the loop. And for the judge, um, he could have... Uh, released Hobbs because he had served those several months that were the penalty for the misdemeanors, but um, kept the case going because then the stay away order against the teenager could have stayed in place. You mentioned that current District Attorney Brooke Jenkins dropped that trespassing case in the marina. What was her office's reason for that? When I asked her office about it, she said it was because he didn't steal anything or tamper with anything. And so it wasn't considered burglary, but it was considered trespassing and giving false information to the police. So I didn't really understand that explanation. And it would seem like this was yet another opportunity to try to connect him to mental health services, at least. And if you just drop a case in the interest of justice, none of that happens because it just evaporates. And it's like, you know, he never walked into that home. It also sends the message that it is okay to walk into people's homes that you don't live at and don't know. I mean, if he did that and was just hanging out in somebody's house, you know, uninvited while the homeowner's away and then it's dropped, it's like, that's okay now? And Jenkins didn't seem to respond to this pattern of behavior by Hobbs as being something to be more aware of or pay attention to? That's unclear. Um, that that trespassing incident happened August 11th, and most of the um, grabbing and chasing and other incidents I've been writing about have been in September. So she wouldn't necessarily have known about all those. She did say that women who encounter him and have you know a bad experience with him should be calling the police, and that her office intends to take all of these matters seriously if there is a case that's given to them. And until a full investigation is completed, you mentioned, you know, Nextdoor, the website for neighbors to share information with each other, social media, is sort of the place where women are turning to each other to discuss their own incidents and find support. What are people asking for now? And what are they doing in the meantime to feel safe from Hobbs or other perpetrators? 
from the women that I've interviewed, this is just a huge, huge story in San Francisco's community of women in their 20s and 30s. Um, he seems to really go after young women. Most of the women I've interviewed are in their 20s. Almost everything that I've reported so far has happened in broad daylight on a busy street. Chestnut Street, for example, is a, seems to be a, a major hangout for him. You know, one woman said, I can't even walk to the gym in the middle of the day without being scared of being grabbed by a stranger from behind. And what can I do? And so these women are um, frustrated that they didn't know that this guy was back in the city. Nobody told them until they all started sharing their stories on Nextdoor and kind of piecing it together themselves. So they've really crowdsourced this. And now some of them have formed a support group where they've gotten together in person to share what had happened to them and and how they feel about it. They're encouraging each other to file police reports, which is something um, everyone should know. You don't have to file a report the day an incident happens. You can do it later. Um, police are actually telling women to notify them if they've encountered this guy and had, you know, a, a sketchy sort of experience. The Northern Station is handling that, so you can go there and, and file a report. Um, the women really want action. They want this guy off the streets. They want to understand why so many different levels of the criminal justice system, from police to both of the DAs we've had recently to the judges, have all just seemed to repeatedly you know, drop the ball here. They want real action, and they think that public safety should come first. And has Hobbs committed any specific crime here that would warrant an arrest? You mentioned police reports have been filed. There's this pattern of behavior. Is he eligible for an arrest? What has SFPD said? They're not telling me anything, but it was fascinating to call San Mateo District Attorney Steve Wagstaff yesterday, who I will just note to listeners is very responsive (laughs) and friendly and always happy to talk to journalists. And to me, that's always a sign that a city official doesn't have much to hide if they return calls. But the San Mateo DA talked to me at length about what would have happened if these incidences had happened in San Mateo County. Um, Interestingly enough, he said that he read my column last week, which um, revealed that Hobbs was back in San Francisco targeting women. And I hadn't even called him about it, but just on his own volition, he met with his um, assistant district attorneys. They reviewed my column and they all discussed like, what could be done about this guy? If this happened in San Mateo County, what would we do? But then when I told him of the even more egregious cases I'd learned about, DA Wagstaff in San Mateo said, depending on the details, that could rise to the level of a felony. Um, It sounds like the police need to put all of these together. Um, staring at someone is not illegal, even though it's creepy, but there are many cases where he's physically touched or grabbed or kissed laid on top of people. So those would definitely rise to misdemeanor or possibly felony battery, depending on the details. So um, DA Wagstaff said if the um, SFPD can build all of these together and they can be treated as one big case to show the pattern, then maybe we can get him off the streets. So, Heather, in your columns, you often highlight some of the shortcomings of the city's criminal justice system, some missteps. What is it about this particular case? You know, a lot of readers write into you about different incidents. What does this particular case highlight for you specifically? I just think it's really alarming as a woman myself to know that I could be walking uh, to work or to the gym if I went to the gym <laughs> or um, on an errand and that some 
huge stranger could just come up behind you and grab you and nothing would be done. And so I really feel for these women, uh, many of whom are pretty new to San Francisco, they're young, um, and this has happened and they're just so frightened. And it's even more frightening that the city knows about this and has repeatedly let this guy go. It also um, kind of contradicts what San Francisco's whole um MO is when it comes to criminal justice, which is rehabilitation, um, identifying ways to improve the lives of the people who clearly have problems and need help and are, you know, causing these issues in the first place. So it could be argued that Hobbes is not being served. He, he needs some sort of help, obviously, that he's not getting. Um, these women certainly aren't being served. Um, the homeowner who walked into his own house to see him there and isn't being served. None of these examples point to anything about our criminal justice system working. Heather, thanks so much. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Heather Knight is a columnist for The Chronicle. Her stories about alleged stalker Bill Jean Hobbs are online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Heather is also the host of The Chronicle podcast, Total SF. Find it wherever you listen to Fit the Mission. Thank you to Sarah Feldberg for editing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs> 